This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com No pace in that team towards the end of that game. The boy in this team has got really bad. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! Far post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Goes to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Cranwell! Owen Doyle strikes again. The extraordinary is becoming the ordinary for Scott Twine. Hello, Swindon Town create yet another gas crisis as Ben Garner gets his revenge on the negligent Joey Barton's hapless Bristol Rovers. I was there, finally. So was my guest for this episode. Welcome back, Mr. Dan Hunt. Hello, Dan. Hello, everyone. Hello, Rich. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how I haven't got a cold. I'm putting it down to the four cups of tea I had before going to the ground (laughs) and also base layers. I cannot emphasize the importance of base layers layers enough how are you dan you okay uh well as you can hear from my voice i am suffering from post local derby uh shoutiness um which is a wonderful thing on a sunday it means your team's done well and you've been done plenty of singing so uh, uh a worthwhile <laughs> pursuit oh man i gotta bring the energy to this is that what we're saying do i normally bring the energy i'm not sure bring the energy rich you're now a match going contributor Look at that. Once in a blue moon. And now I'm a super expert on everything. Okay, well, before we get going, full credit to Gas Harry Vlogs for that sensational audio at the start of the pod of two Rovers fans bickering uh, over who's to blame for the woes at the Mem at the moment. Just a lovely, lovely clip. Oh, absolutely. It's the sort of unscripted comedy that sport gives you, just with the unpredictability of what's going to happen during the match. And then... uh... Chuck in some angry Bristolians and away you go. Yeah, I mean, I say almost every episode that I'm based in Bristol, but even I had to listen to it a few times before figuring <laughs> out what on earth they were saying. <laughs> there is a different... The, the North Bristolian dialect is slightly different to the Southern. Southern is more Somerset, softer, uh, maybe angrier or harsher when when angry, but North Bristol really goes down that Gloucester route, doesn't it, route, doesn't it? So, Dan, a pleasure to be in your company throughout the day, starting pre-match. It got a little bit panicky from my side because as I was walking up Gloucester Road in the pouring rain, heading towards the Wellington, only to see that it said home fans only today. Hmm. And then looking around and seeing that other pubs that I could I glimpsed um, had the same sign. I didn't know what we were going to do. I thought we were going to be sat in like a chip shop or something. But luckily I found the Tinto Lounge where we, we had a really classy pre-match occasion, didn't we? Go on the Tinto Lounge. Uh, you could order drinks from your table, which was novel for a football game. Um, yeah, a couple of jars in there, four four mugs of tea for you, Rich, whatever keeps yep. you warm. 
on one of the soggiest away days I can remember for a long, long time. Thanks to the Roof Rovers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, we, we, we're ones to talk on that on that yes, front. But, true. but i got to say, it wasn't as bad rain-wise during the game as I feared it would be. There were at least two clear spells of no rain, which, which helped the mood slightly. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I think once you get to a certain point of uh, sogginess, uh, it might as well just rain anyway, isn't it? You're so, you're so far past dry, you've got no hope. What you need is a few goal celebrations, which that'll always uh, create a bit of body heat. We don't score more than one goal, do we? So it's not <laughs> going to happen during a derby, a derby that I don't care about. So I can give the big guns um, after spending a week saying, oh, I don't care about it. But it was very, very pleasurable day. Before um, we start talking about lineups, things like that, one final point, a grievance. Dan, I am neither the world's most handsome man or most photogenic person, but thanks for putting one of the worst pictures of me on social media that I've ever <laughs> seen. You cruel, cruel man. <laughs> it was intended to be a look how wet and happy we are kind of shot, mm. but I caught you, what, tongue between your lips, yeah. sort of blinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good one. And if you haven't seen it, everyone, then uh, please seek it out. Yeah, please do. Mm. Please like it, because Rich is worried that the numbers aren't quite high enough on the likes. On the <laughs> oh, man, if only that was the case. I wish I was that vain and said <laughs> I weep myself to sleep at the very thought of it. Okay, let's move on to the, the Swindon Town away day our good friends at Bristol Rovers. And it was an unchanged 11 uh, from the 0-0 draw the previous week against Colchester. So Wallacott and Gold, Critchlow, Conroy and Odomeo at the back. Iandolo, Reed, Kessler, Hayden in those wing-backs in defensive midfield role. Uh, Payne and Gladwin in midfield with Gilbert just behind Simpson. And I'll be honest with you, Dan, when 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 we talk about our pre-game, we looked at the lineups and... You know, we, we spent most of our time before the lineups were announced saying how much we wanted to see McCurdy today. And then we looked at the lineups and went, oh, well, McCurdy's not playing. But what was playing out on social media, from what I gather, was a little bit of mild anarchy, a little bit of grumpiness from the Swindon Town fan base, elements of, not everyone, I must say, about Garner's choice for what many do consider, just because I don't consider it the big derby or a big derby, um, doesn't mean that others do. But there was a little bit of discontent with that start in eleven, considering that, of course, you go to more games and you see the performances more than I do. Um, can you see where they're coming from, or was that perhaps unfair? No, I don't think it's unfair. There, there was a bit of angst about. Uh, I think uh, people expected Johnny Williams to start, and I think there was another sizable portion of supporters that wanted McCurdy to start. Um, but yeah, actually, I, I think this shape is growing on me. Uh, and, and the other obvious talking point was the, the absence again of Anthony Grant, um, even from the match day 18. So um, although on yesterday's evidence, you can sort of see why it's going to be very difficult for Grant to displace Reed in this formation, because Reed has been superb. Tell me, we'll talk about Grant in just a moment. Um, why is the shape growing on you? Um, well, I was on this pod last week talking post Colchester saying, um, you know, for home games where we need to make the run in, I thought we had one too many defenders on the pitch. That sort of balance between attack and defence wasn't quite right for home games. But actually, on away games such as yesterday, I, th- I think this shape is extremely useful. And as you as you saw, we just the best way of stopping Bristol Rovers playing was to actually keep the ball away from them. Um, it wasn't really a day for Grant to be in there spoiling and getting in the way. It was, it was like, um, it's like coaches tell you when you're a young footballer, like really like idealistic terms. You know, if you've got the ball, the other team can't score. But uh, There's not been that many town sides about who actually practice what they preach in that regard. And, Bristol Ravers were so toothless, gave us so much respect, so deep. I'd be raging if I was a Bristol Rovers fan. Well, we'll rage on their behalf shortly, but um, Anthony Grant. So Anthony Grant, as you mentioned, wasn't in the 11, wasn't in the 18. There's probably a place for him on the bench if all is going well. In the presser on Friday, Ben Garner says, 
Anthony Grant's been training much better this week. And I think that probably those sort of facts, those sort of sound bites trigger the, so where the hell is he? Mm-hmm. I got to be honest with you, Dan. I think, you know, I've used the phrase before. I think there might be trouble in paradise on this one. Yeah, there's definitely, amongst all the happiness, and there's been much happiness this year, and especially yesterday, um, there's definitely Grant undertones rumbling. And uh, I suppose, in a way, it's not terrible timing if he uh, now goes away to join Jamaica. And then I'm thinking he doesn't have to isolate on the way back so long as he's had both jabs. Um, and it's not for us to speculate on Anthony Grant's uh, views on mandatory vaccinations. Um, but um, yeah, that bit of cooling off time, if there is an issue, might be well-timed. What do you think? Mm, perhaps, perhaps. I mean, I'm not outraged by, you know, and we talked about this pre-game, you know, it. I'm not looking to dig out a scandal, you know, or a big argument or like, you know, Ghana doesn't rate Grant or Grant isn't happy with Ghana or anything like that. I just think it's probably the most common thing in professional football. As long as they respect each other on the pitch and the players respect each other, what they think of each other privately is between mm-hmm. them. But because Anthony Grant is such a fiercely popular member of the squad because he came back after all what happened in the summer. Mm-hmm. You kind of hope that we're overthinking this, but I'm not. I'm not so sure that we are. To be fair, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't want. I, I, you know, I'm not ITK on this. So, and, and that's not to say things can't be um, turned around if there is no. something of a rift brewing. I mean, um, Sheridan throws Grant out for a long period, um, and sort of had to use him again in the end, just through you know, <laughs> sheer bloody mindedness. I'm like, oh god, I'm gonna have to play him. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I, I recall before Grant joined Swindon, my good friend, a former work colleague, Julian, big Shrewsbury fan, and he could not have come with a worse recommendation. It was all, you know, very good footballer, loads of experience, but clearly trouble. And I think in his time at Swindon, we've not really seen that like uber disruptive side of Grant. And and, and at the end of the day, we're only speculating now because we don't know what's going on, do we? But um, there is there is a track record, regardless of who's in the wrong. Like he has fallen out with with managers, one at Swindon and you know at his last club before joining Swindon too. Yeah, well, let's let's hope all is well on that front, and he's hoping he has a good time playing for Jamaica again and comes back rejuvenated and ready to. Uh, play through the winter <laughs> with Swindon Town. Yeah. But let's talk about the game against Bristol Rovers because yeah. I'm really looking forward to talking about this. And weirdly, it was still a game of two halves, not because Bristol Rovers took the lead. It was, it was a tale of two performances from Swindon, both of them good for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so pleasing about this victory as well, because, and as we'll discuss, had we played out the game like we did in the first half, that game would have finished 1-1 or we might have even lost it 1-0. And in what happened yeah. in the second half is why we won. And, and we talked about this at halftime about this experience because we don't really need to go through sort of like a chronological order of events for the first half. Because if you look at every highlights reel, whether it be from Sky Sports, Swindon Town, Bristol Rovers fans, it's just Swindon, Swindon, Swindon. Rovers yep. score, Swindon, 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 Swindon. It was yeah. it was very comfortable, but could not believe. I, th- I think I'll come out of this weekend most aggrieved about the fact that we, we somehow didn't manage to keep a clean sheet. Yeah, as I was reflecting, was scribbling down a few notes earlier, I think it, it felt like a quiet start to a derby game. Swindon settled quite well. Um, Rovers straight off, you could see uh, Pittman quite isolated. Um, this, you know, Harry Anderson, who got the goal, is quite a talented winger. He's done very well at Lincoln in the recent past. But, you know, either side of the pitch, neither of their wide players were getting anywhere near Pittman to give us a real headache. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was sort of like it was a good half. And, you know, harking back to the Colchester game, it was a frustrating half because we made chances. We were the connoisseurs of the ball flashing across the goal with no one there to tap it in. I can think of four occasions 
Um, yeah. Conroy put one across. You know, you would you'd even think you're a good chance for an end goal with some of these. You know, a couple that I really wanted Simpson to throw himself at didn't. Payne on his left foot flashing towards the back post. It was, yeah, I, I think at half time we had the chat, Rich, didn't we? Actually, you know, at what point? would people start turning the lens on Ghana a little bit if today didn't go well? And I think we were still very hopeful that the second half was going to go well, and it did. Jumping ahead a bit there, but at halftime, we did talk, and it wasn't like... I mean, I think my biggest criticism of it was it was very nice, but it was very dull. And your reply to that was always, we're trying to score the perfect goal, um, which I completely agree with. When we were talking about, like, if we don't win this, what's the reaction going to be like, because we're playing very well. But yeah. if we don't win, that's another, you know, we hadn't won since August. So it would have been, it would have been another one, an emotional one for many town fans. And yeah, it's not worth thinking about, but we were talking about like, well, what happens if we don't score? Connor said we will, but he said, apparently he says that after every game or during every game. So <laughs> um, he's, he's right eventually. And he was right on this one. But I think at, at half time. We were generally quite positive, um, yeah. but it was just, but because we hadn't scored more than a goal since the first game of the season, my concern was, okay, well, if we score, that's that's the draw, but where's the, where's the rest yeah. coming from? But that was all, well, I was going to be proven firmly wrong in the in the last mm-hmm. half hour. But before we move away from the first half, though, I was tremendously entertaining stuff on the terrace. Aaron Collins, <laughs> Bristol Rovers substitute, got an earful. Uh, from two fans, uh, but like <laughs> angel devil sort of situation for poor old Aaron Cor- Collins. Cause you know, one Swindon fan, you know, was calling him just because he wanted to call him the C word, but the other one, one miles, he wanted to tell him how good he was for, for him on championship Man- on football manager <laughs> once. So for about 10, 15 minutes <laughs> on one side of me, I could hear somebody trying to call him names. And the other one was dear old miles, just trying to tell him, how much he appreciated his efforts in a computer game. Wild, <laughs> wild stuff in the pouring rain. Yes, and I think that also gives you a bit of a clue um, that it wasn't a high-tempo in in <laughs> first half because really there well. was room for plenty of that to play out. And actually, <laughs> while we're talking about um, pitch-side distractions, uh, I think me, you and Connor were all guilty of it. <laughs> Johnny Williams plus two came along the touchline for a warm-up. And we're all too yeah. busy. So, Jordy, 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 Willie, you. And then out of nowhere, oh, Anderson's in on goal, and it's 1 0. Uh, so, until we'd seen it back today, um, I hadn't quite appreciated how that goal had come about. I think, unfortunately for Critchlow, just a bit keen, um, got sucked a bit high at the pitch, and uh, Anderson very cleverly, sort of just off Ianderlo's shoulder, made the run. It was a good free ball. It was the, it was the best bit of football Rovers produced all game and I wonder if perhaps they went 1-0 up too early the old cliche because after that they were so so unambitious oh, um, hugely yeah it was as if they thought 1-0 was enough um, yeah they were that ambitious uh, unambitious I should oh. say Connor was convinced it was offside he definitely didn't see it did he nope he was also <laughs> looking at Johnny Williams lovely head oh, it's a well-maintained head it's, it's a smasher <laughs> Oh, it's a messy pod. I can already feel it. Okay. <laughs> a lot of the contributions that we got from listeners, which people were here um, once we finished talking about the game, does highlight the fact that there was a lot of more. There was the same sidewards passes, lots of possession, but not... I, I can't even say there was not a lot of threat because those crosses, you know, that mm. went without the tap-in, I mean, we're just screaming out for that... that yeah. I mean, some, there was nobody there on on a couple of occasions, and they were exactly yeah. where you want the ball to go. And that's been a bit of a theme as well this year, you know, screaming out for like an old school number nine to come flying in. Yeah. Um, the other thing I mentioned of the very very good chance of the half foul to Gilbert played in by Reed, one on one with the keeper, albeit with a, a centre half to keep him company, who he had to sort of shrug off. But um, yeah, it was. Mixed with good goalkeeping, closing down the space, but also you know, quite a weak finish from Gilbert. Um, but that really, really should have been the ticket back into the uh, back into the game. That was that was the chance of the half for town. If we came in at half time 
three, four, one up, they could have no complaints. Um, we were really that much better than them. And they were just, Rovers were just cruising for a bruising. They were just, you know, writing invites to us and sending them over because I, I, they didn't even seem comfortable in doing that. It, it felt like a goal was coming. It really did. The curious thing with that is obviously in the middle of the park, they had Glenn Whelan and Paul Coots, who were very experienced performers, but actually... I think where they're getting on, and it was a very old team that Rovers put out, including Pittman at the sprightly age of 34. Um, Rovers just didn't have the legs. Like, Iandolo and Kessler Hayden, just up and down, up and down. Like, that, the wing-back position really suits those two, more than Rob Hunt, who's more of a out-and-out full-back, really. Does an OK job going forward, but you know, Iandolo and Kessler Hayden, they're fit as a fiddle, and they love getting up and up. Up and down that touchline, that was a real strength yesterday when um, you had the ball under such good control in the middle of the park to feed it out wide to them. And I think uh, Gladwin and Payne both had very good games. And that was a big contributor. Reed behind him is just smooth, smooth operator. It was, um, happily, it was just a case of when, not if, uh, as we got into the second half. Before we hit the second half, let's talk Brett Pittman. Macron shirts are far more forgiving than Puma yeah. shirts, um, even though some fans weren't willing to uh, give him even that. Uh, Brett Pittman is Brett Pittman, but that man has zero service in that squad. They have got no wingers and there's just no supply for him. He is just a dead man walking up front for them at the moment. Yeah. He really is. And um, I mean, we're the fan base who are qualified to talk on that, right? So many games last year with Pittman up front on his own and Hope and others wide getting nowhere near him. It just <laughs> Regrettably, we never really used Pittman in a front two. You know, and I think the couple of times that we did pair him with Tyler Smith, you know, you could see some of Pittman's experience and intelligence shining through with some of his clever link-up play and little clever touches here and there. But uh, yeah, yesterday it was just, it was like watching... Pittman of last year in a blue and white kit is um, ploughing a lone furrow. All right. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's talk about that second half then. So, I mean, one of the criticisms of Ben Garner this season has been his use of subs or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was very quick to change things in this game. 55th minute, he brought on Harry McCurdy. Harry McCurdy had spent a lot of the game warming up and, you know, smile on his face as always. And... Boy, did he ever change the game. Let's praise Ben Garner in this bit because he did it. That was the equivalent of bringing someone on at halftime without upsetting someone, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He waited those 10 minutes. Swindon didn't do anything majorly different in those 10 minutes, those opening 10 minutes of the second half. um, And he made that change. I think that change was locked in, ready, and it could have been at halftime if he wanted. But Mm -hmm. I like the idea of just sort of luring Bristol Rovers into a, a sense of full, you know, full sense of security by thinking, oh, Swindon are just going to keep on doing this because that's what Ben Garner does. He keeps playing yep. the same kind of football and then, bam, McCurdy comes on and changes everything. Yes, you're right. Um, to our, just before we come on to uh, the great man, Harry McCurdy, um, I, I've got in, in my head, like it's actually quite a good start to the second half. It felt like, there's a bit more pace and purpose building on the the first half effort. Um, Iandolo had a cheeky back heel. When is a back heel ever not cheeky? Um, sort of a scramble after a corner, um, which very unlucky went straight at the keeper. If it was either side of him, I think that would have uh, that would have flown in, and uh, Iandolo would uh, be reaping some of the hero status. Uh, but yeah, McCurdy for Gilbert. It was it's quite a good lesson in. Um, Part of the reason why Gilbert is a young and learning footballer against McCurdy, who, you know, might not go on and play the Championship or Premier League, I'm sure, but he has been round the block. Um, so the, and I mean, no offence by this, Alex, if you are listening. Um, the phrase we used in the ground, and pardon my French, was Gilbert during the match had been a bit guilty of flicky bollocks, wouldn't it? Just trying to be a bit intricate, a bit clever, trying to do the difficult ball. And we said similar things after the the Colchester game last week. Um, 
And once McCurdy replaced him, almost his very first thing that he did was um, from town winning the ball back high up the pitch. McCurdy got the ball and just drove for the byline. Cross comes in, bit of luck, a sort of clearance uh, deflecting off a Bristol Rovers man. Give it away. It's McCurdy just scuttling into the penalty area. Tries to play it low across the box towards Simpson. Rovers can't clear. Payne shoots and Payne is low with the left foot through the goalkeeper. And Swindon's pressure finally pays off as they pickpocket Rovers. In. I haven't seen it getting a lot of chat, but what an incredibly astute finish from Jack Payne. This sort of on the chest and then left foot before it hits the floor, all in one motion. That was a, a fantastic finish. Um, you know, opportunistic in its nature because of the way it came about. But um, he just sort of caught the keeper not quite set because um, it sort of, you know, was in the keeper's realm as it went past him. But Payne got the shot off so early and that felt like a big weight off the supporters' shoulders. And you could see from the way the, the boys celebrated, like there was no diving in the corner for that one. They wanted to get back to the halfway line. Um they wanted to mean business and go and win that game, which is, um, you know, in terms of body language, very telling. Whereas uh, I imagine a Bristol Rovers fan is thinking, oh, God, where are we going to get another goal from? I think I think you're spot on about Payne's finish. It's the sort of effort. It's a, They try and get it in at the side of their boot and it always goes side netting. Yeah. That's that's the sort of outcome of those uh, of those sort of efforts. It is a really nice finish. And I loved the fact, and I loved it at the time, where Payne... They they were pretty much running straight back and yeah. let's bring it let's let's bring the noise. I I celebrated that goal tamely because I expected a mild surge from behind me, like you know a, a rush of people. But obviously the players didn't come round, so I was in this weird legs far apart like a star waiting for people <laughs> to sort of shove forward and it brace, didn't come. Brace, and, uh, yeah, I was in the brace brace position on a terrace. And it didn't come, and I, you know, ended up just looking like a statue in a star position. Um, I regret nothing, uh, <laughs> and I do it all again. But that was one-one goal two. So shortly before Alfie Kilgore had got booked, um, which he wasn't happy about, and a matter of minutes later, he sent off for what was deemed to be a handball. Um, it looks incredibly harsh. I'm with you on that. I, I do feel like we we are getting the rub of the green on those big calls at the moment. For all yeah. of the for all the messages we get talking about the official the officials in this division, we've had a few decisions go our way which have changed the game. I'm convinced McCurdy would have pulled things around. I mean, that was his effort. I think that that was was halted. But yeah, I, I, we're talking about the goals here. But there was a, a save by Belshaw, which was sensational, wasn't it? Um, shortly before that. At the ground, it in my mind, at the ground was a terrific save. I don't think the camera angle actually does it justice. Because um, from side on where we were, you see the flick on at the near post from Critchlow, which obviously is quite a pacey corner. And then Gladwin has reacted really well, sort of from his sort of standing base. He's managed to sort of arc his head and direct it towards God. And that was a really, really good reaction save. Um, and we commented at the time, didn't we? Like, oh, is that the chance? Is that the win gone? But um, no, Swindon kept coming in waves. Gladwin, fairly short run up here. Referee blows his whistle. Gladwin with the penalty, driven elegantly into the bottom corner. And Swindon lead late in the derby here. Will Ben Garner gets the win? He wants it, Rovers. It's Bristol Rovers 1, Swindon 2, well-struck spot kick. Yeah, and the, and the penalty was given. He was right on it, the referee, but oh, incredibly harsh, isn't it? Yeah, I think two reasons it's harsh. One, I don't think it's entirely hit his arm. <laughs> um, it, so I, I've done probably like a lot of people. I've, I've tried slowing it down and seeing. And actually, as McCurdy's about to shoot, his arms are in an outstretched position, like he's given a wide in the cricket. But by the time the ball hits him, he's managed to tuck his arms back in again. Um, and when you've got McCurdy, the uh, the god, uh, Harry McCurdy, banging it at you from two or three yards, like, what's what are you going to do? It's not it's not deliberate handball, is it? Um, it's the arm stretched out that's that's got him, isn't it? Yeah. And, and to be fair, I'm not moaning. 
Um, no, no. But by the same token, if if something happens against this like that in a few weeks, we should we should remember some of the the good fortune we've had lately. The disallowed goal at Northampton, for example, where Critchlow managed to find a foul where maybe there wasn't one. Um, but yeah, I mean, what happened thereafter upon the penalty being given? Obviously, sort of frantically looking at each other, Rich and Connor, thinking, "Oh, Payne's not on the pitch." Shit. Um, oh, right. Who's on? But, but Gladwin, from that very first moment he could get his hands on the ball, he had it under his arm. He was ready. That, in terms of again body language and demeanour, Gladwin was not an unconfident footballer. And we've spoken a lot about him on this pod in the last month or so. About you know, is he this season's scapegoat? He's not everyone's cup of tea this year, but. Last week against Colchester, he was much better. Yesterday, in the second half particularly, there were elements of him just running the show. Um, and I was so pleased because uh, we we used the phrase, didn't we, um, linked to scapegoat, you know, as he's waiting for the referee to blow his whistle and he's about to take the penalty, is this, you know, is this the scapegoat or goat moment? And um, even though the keeper went the right way, it was it was a perfect penalty. Um, unsavable because it was just perfectly in that corner into the sort of side netting bit and uh, yeah well done Gladys you've not had it you've not had a, an easy ride actually um, it's good to see him coming out of his shell and actually we must remember the, he's played sort of 9-10 games now this year which you know all the talk pre-season was you know all these injury prone players and I think we also need to give credit to Conroy Um who we're just sort of taken for granted, plays every game at the back. But this is someone who has had big, big injury problems. So, yeah, it's um, the management and the sort of, some of the staff you don't see are doing a doing a good job. Ben, Dion and Ellis all surviving. Touch yes. wood at the moment. Huge, huge respect for Ben for stepping up and taking that. I know he said post-match, it's like, if you hit it hard into the corner, it doesn't matter where they're going. And it, because of that dreaded delay between penalty being given and and the actual penalty being taken, it, the goal always seems to get smaller, doesn't it? <laughs> it's got to be one of the biggest gaps between penalties by Ben Gladwin scored, that is. It must be six years since his last Swindon penalty. Yeah, he had a flurry of penalties, didn't he, at the end of that Mark Cooper playoff season. I, I remember him... Scoring two against Warsaw on a Tuesday night. I think that was the game. I think that might have been the game where yeah, he um, scored a penalty. He obviously missed at Bramall Lane. And at the time, that felt crucial. Little did we know there would be 10 goals to be shared around at the county ground uh, four days later. Um, but yeah, good on him. He, he's very, very good technically. And in terms of, you know, 10-yard run-up and caress the ball into an area of the goal that you're aiming for, you're not going to have many better exponents um, in the club in terms of technical ability. So good on your banners. And boy, Bristol Rovers did not seem like they were in any rush to try and do anything about this game. Nope. I know they didn't have much time to think about it because of the turnaround between goal two and three, but they were deflated. Obviously, they had a player sent off. They also had a player go off with concussion, which we'll talk about in just a moment because... Oh, they'll put a fright of goodness into us in the 89th minute when Rob Hunt came on <laughs> <laughs> for a few seconds, that's for sure. Yeah, Bristol Rovers, just, they were done. Their heads You're were right. gone. I think I think their heads were gone at 1-1 when Payne scored. I think there was this just feeling of inevitability yeah. across. Your, your manager is static, just sat there or stood there doing nothing. Your fans aren't doing anything. If you look at the controversial penalty, if you look at the stands like where the Rovers fans are, they're not angry. They're not throwing their arms around saying, how's that a penalty? They're a good angle. They're just sat there just, oh gosh, this season is is not going to plan. So, you know, which set up perfectly our third goal. And Swindon is a team who likes to keep possession of the ball. A man down, not ideal. Aiden breaking with some real pace down the right-hand side. Teasing ball is the boss, the goalkeeper's dropped in. Ten man row 
Rovers with four minutes to go. Well, yeah, we're still celebrating, really, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, but from our angle, it, it, it wasn't. It was. It was really weird because obviously the cross comes in from Kessler Hayden, and the goalkeeper, in my mind, I, he he catches it, and in between me blinking, like having my eyes shut open and then shut and open again, the ball's in the net. I was watching it, and I was just like, well, "What's happened?" I mean, there's no other way to describe it. It's a, it's a goalkeeping clangor. Um, yeah. But McCurdy's still got to anticipate that and be on, yes. be in the right spot. Um, so yeah, he, it, the beautiful thing was, if there was any nervousness amongst the fan base or the players, and it didn't look it, um, that just killed the game, and it meant we could have another one minute celebration. You know, you got Tyree Simpson doing like the '90s Klinsman down the touchline. You got Baudry and. All the boys, Payne, he was there. He's just, yeah, that more than anything post-COVID has sort of been like the away day I've needed just to sort of reaffirm, you know, my football life. That that was really cracking last 10 minutes, followed by some Olays. Um, but to the contrary, and you've mentioned Bristol Rovers, you know, lack of urgency and poor body language. They're just under Barton in a derby, I couldn't believe their lack of skullduggery. Um, and we, I'd mentioned it on last week's pod. It was in Bristol Rovers' interest to make this a scrap, make it a mucky, mucky old wet game. They really just never did. They looked like a side who, you know, don't really care if the manager goes or not. The fans were very quick to turn on Barton. and we, I'd seen a couple of clips post Leighton Orient where Barton was taking powders as well. But, you know, all in all, Bristol Rovers just look aside. You get battered everywhere they go. Everywhere they go. <laughs> Lovely. Well done. Um, tremendous fan of the celebrations for goals two and three. And although, you know, much love to those who bought seats in the gazebo um, behind the goal, I, I think it's only fair that the players celebrate wildly in front of the poor souls on the terrace getting absolutely drenched. Here, here. It was much enjoyed. And I tell you what I really liked about it. And, you know, as somebody who is really just observing comments on social media more than actually taking in the game, that game felt like the fans were for the players. There was no sort of boardroom celebrations. It was about, you know, it was about the players we were seeing. You know, I know know, it feels like I'm criticising Clem Morfuni, but... It wasn't about him waving. It was about it was a it was a way day of a team of a club that's that's doing all right at the moment. That's all is well. Do you know what I mean? Well put. Well put. It, it, it's hard. It's hard for me to sort of say, but it, it, it was just it was just it just felt like the old times, really, um, on a way day. And the mem in my lifetime has not been a happy hunting ground. I've I've taken a couple of pastings there. Um, Best I've had is a couple of draws. Even then, there was a late equaliser, wasn't there? True, so yeah, I think, true. I think um, De Canio, yeah. You know, I think a lot of people had the experience that I had for the Scunthorpe game, that highly emotive, the club still exists. And although I didn't have the that element, it was just nice that there was no sort of nagging thing at the corner of my mind about celebrating a goal, but everything's awful behind the scenes, <laughs> you know. it was It was just a very nice feeling to have. And it is genuinely brilliant um, to experience. And there we go, 3-1. I mean, last week, listener Leap um, sent a message to us. You might remember saying, interesting to see uh, we top the passing players and team stats for League 2. But do we overpass in the final third after watching today's game, which was last week's game against Colchester? I think we do discuss. Leap message in again saying, uh, Musings didn't overpass in the final third today. Insert Jimmy Carr laugh here, which I'll do. To answer Leap's question, um, it was much the same until McCurdy came on. Yeah. You know, if McCurdy doesn't come on in that for Sparta attitude that he has, you know, I, I, I think that we're we're just getting a 1-1 draw from that at best. But he comes in and just gives the urgency that we wanted. It just basically gave the club a kick up the backside and it was yeah. wonderful to see. Absolutely right, and we've we've spoke about McCurdy just giving you that direct running, that just get to the byline, that that sort of old school winger vibe, uh, coupled with the fact he's a huge character and seems to be a real talisman. That's 
just fantastic. He seems to be really well liked amongst players. And after maybe a few Marmite opinions, he seems to be, you know, mostly liked by by the fan base now. Um, I think his social media output is a, is a big winner in that regard. But yeah, we, I mean, we should also mention um, Mitchell Lawson. He was bright without doing any sort of one particular thing that really stood out. We, his celebration at the end was fantastic. Um, and Williams too, who just gave us that different from McCurdy, obviously. Um, but Williams just gives you that little bit of craft. Um, and you can see he's played a higher level just from the little balls he does around the corner. There's just a bit more deception, a bit more craft um, from your typical lower league footballer. It would, would be lovely to get Williams on the pitch for the best part of 80 minutes. Um, dare we speculate when that might happen? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Rob Hunt came on right at the end. We all sort of got in a panic because we were getting our doing our basic maths with our fingers by going, um, well, McCurdy's on, Mitchell Lawson's on, Williams is on. It's four. But of course, um, it's only fair that if if the opposition player goes off with concussion and they can use the fourth sub, then the opposition gets one too. Damn us football podcasters who don't know the rules. Yeah, well, I suppose because we've never had to think about it this season. like it's, um, But yeah, I mean, I suppose the worry was more, oh God, I hope one of ours isn't concussed. Um, which yeah. thankfully wasn't the case. But yeah, good good to get Hunty on because um, he is a big part of the squad. Even if he doesn't quite fit this system right now, um, we're going to need him at Forest Green, for example. With It now sounds like Kessler Hayden is away again. Have you seen that? No. no. Oh, I thought he was just uh, wearing England shorts because he played for England recently. <laughs> no, he put something along the lines of uh, great three points yesterday, now for international duty. So um, oh. me and you, Rich... We've both seen he's obviously not in any of the England under squads. So we were thinking, oh, bonus, he's available. But yeah, I guess we'll get some confirmation on that soon. But that that is a shame to lose Kessler Hayden. Whereas for a day or two, it felt like we'd got him again. Yeah, uh, and he played that. very, very well. Also. Yeah, he did. But, he did. But again, he, had, he was kidding a sweet store with, with Rovers. Honestly, he was. Um, yeah. Post game, I mean, I've done my fair share of Bristol Rovers games with higher stakes than that fixture. From my observations in the away end, Swindon Town fans were immaculate. Smoke bomb went off in the terrace. Points hand to Temple like the uh, like the gif. Um, you know, <laughs> not on the pitch, but keep it on the stands. Other than that, look, Town fans I thought were immaculate, and the way the police decided to get us out was even the Rovers fans were redirected, Swindon fans were redirected, had a couple of apples thrown at us, the disgrace yes. of it all. It reminded me of secondary school, like <laughs> lobbing crab apples at your mates on the way yeah. to school as you're walking down the alley. Um, Outrageous. Yeah, I mean, a couple of them landed quite close to us, Rich. We, uh, we nearly got sided on the yeah. way out of Bristol Rovers. Oh, man. it was If it was going to hit anyone, it would have been me. <laughs> and then we had to loop the loop over to Gloucester Road before we could finally find a pub and sit down and and discuss uh, the game. But I mean, other than a few sort of pavement dancing um, with police in the middle, it, it was fine. But uh, they're an angsty bunch at the moment, aren't they? Bristol Rovers, they're on a little journey. Um, yeah. And good, good luck to them. I've got no ill, like I've said countless times, but absolutely thoroughly enjoyed um, beating them on their own patch. If only for the, uh, the gobby, home fans when they were 1-0 <laughs> up, um, only not to be seen again after the other goals. So, yeah, three points, lovely. Yeah, and um, with our local derby record in the last decade, to have chalked up three consecutive wins against a rival mm. feels quite big. Um, when do we start chanting something in a row? Does it need a couple more? Yeah, probably, probably. Mm. Um, we've lost in the, in the uh, Papa John's, but that doesn't count, does it? Of course it doesn't. <laughs> and Yates is there to put it home for Swindon. And surely now the game is wrapped up. Nine goals for the season for Jerry Yates. Let's have some reaction from listeners. Rob says, what a great display. Gladwin much improved. Only frustration is that an experienced striker 
would have gambled and finished chances. Man of the match goes to McCurdy for sheer enthusiasm. Pete Marsh says the red slipper man of the match goes to Harry McCurdy, who changed the game. Gladwin getting back to his high standards. Gilbert and Simpson, too much of an academy approach for a local derby. Rovers looked like they were a National League side, but the town garnered a great win. The Ned Report says, glad we have the one goal per game monkey off our backs. Let's kick on now, lads. Massive performance from Gladys and McCurdy. I assume Grant didn't play as Ghana wanted an unchanged team, and he is not available for the next game too. Thank God Rovers were as poor as I expected them to be. Josh Phelps says, oh, what a day. Just knew sometime soon we'd end up battering someone. Can't argue with who that ended up being. McCurdy was the game changer. Reed was dominant and classy. And to round it all off, nice to see polite Ben put rowdy Roddy Barton firmly in his place. Bernie Man says, cagey and frustrating first half, dominated as we are used to now, but frustrating in the opposition box, trying to walk it into the net. But it was always obvious that Rovers were just not very good. Game was there for the taking, and thankfully, Garner made the subs early on. Tom Elliott said McCurdy added enthusiasm and a direct approach, which a tired Rovers defence struggled to deal with. Reed was composed, and Gladwin showed some touches of class. Simpson, though, he looked off the pace with a couple of tap-ins going a-begging. Martin says, really good. Subs from Ghana won us the game. Gladwin had his best game since returning to us, especially in the second half. Paul D says, outplayed and outclassed them on the pitch and on the sidelines. Especially pleased for Ghana, who was able to shove Barton's predictably classless behaviour right back at him. The better team and the better man won, and it feels so good. Wardy S says, great results, should have been out of sight in the first half. Jack Payne was superb and his man of the match. But a special mention to McCurdy, who did really well when he came on and seemed to speed things up when he had the ball. Robert Hammond, (laughs) he says, it was great to see the pod team at the game. Uh, We've set the precedent. I'm not sure about that, Robert. The space for McCurdy and Gladwin in the second half would not have happened without the earlier possession game. Man of the match was Gladwin for having the balls to take the penalty, recognising the reaction if he had missed. James wants to know who the Norwegian Reds were. That's all he wants to know. Mr Jason says, thought Gladwin played well today considering how we all lamented some of his previous games. Dean Morgan says, brilliant game of football. Reed was outstanding. First time in sitting close to the dugouts and I think our coaches need a mention didn't stop encouraging the players Dave Owen says one of Gladwin's better games to be honest had a very good second half McCurdy has to start offers that unpredictability defenders hate Joshua Dunn says that he will happily get drenched every Saturday to see that what a substitution McCurdy was absolutely cracking performance from him great second half all round a derby win and three big points another derby win to follow next week up the town we will never die Dima Mackin really pleased with the performance even at halftime I thought we had created some great chances Good timing with different goal scorers, as I think Simpson can do with a rest. Just wish fans were not digging out Ghana so soon. Jason Spacey on Ghana. He's convinced that Ben Ghana is League 2's Gareth Southgate, and he means that as a compliment. Jamie Townsend says, do I even need to say anything? I will anyway. McCurdy. Stephen Pipe says, Ghana is doing a fantastic job. Here ends the message. The Great Western Red says he was totally chomping at the bit to get on when he was warming up. Brilliant game from him, and that's in reference to McCurdy. Luke says, great stuff from the lad, showing real character, well-deserved, and what was needed before a tough game next week. McCurdy changed the match and always does when he comes on. Fifth in the table now, up where we belong. Matt simply says, trust the process. Gavin Chappell says, seemed to be involved in everything from the moment he came on. So McCurdy is man of the match, no doubt about it. On a separate note, I didn't think it was possible, but it seems Pittman has lost half a yard of 
case. Well, spare a thought for Ryan Clifford, though. He says, completely bottled it and sold my ticket as I didn't want to go on my own. Now I am living a life of regret. Hard luck, Ryan. Michael Benke says, yep, McCurdy man of the match with an honourable mention to Ben Gladwin. The best team for the whole game, bar their goal. McCurdy transformed everything up top and showed that his team will be challenging once it starts taking its chances. AD Mayo says, agree, McCurdy man of the match. Ben Nichols says, McCurdy is a game changer, a maverick, what a guy. Hanra Hanra Hantony Grant 42 says, stonking barnstorming, rip-snorping, shithousery from McCurdy. 100% man of the match. A rouser in chief. Classic Hannahs. Miles Thompson says he thought Aaron Collins was top quality. There's one for those who were stood around Miles during the first half (laughs) at the memorial. Paul Temple says, bit passive early on with tackles flying in. Then we took charge and wore them down. They looked rattled, and then we provided the killer punch, bringing McCurdy on to add the spark we had missed. Excellent performance. Louis Reed, Ellis, and Ben Gladwin need a shout-out, but McCurdy takes the man of the match. And Philip Banting says, McCurdy, fantastic. Gladwin, best game since coming back. You love to see it, and I certainly do. And finally, from Matt in Singapore, McCurdy, massive when introduced. New dimension to our forward play entirely i felt there was a clear distinction between patient confident movement in the first half and positive progression movement in the second half as though the team were instructed to stop passing sideways and backwards and continue their forward momentum in each attack so much better and should be how we start first half not second good impactful substitutions and brought energy and a spark to our play a great win No major um, surprises there in terms of what people saw, very much in line with with what we've talked about. Man of the match-wise, I declared it McCurdy um, from the Lone Stranger's point of view. Didn't really give um, listeners the opportunity to counter that. Louis Reed, though... He's if we're if we're going to say over the ten games, he's probably our player of the season at the moment, and that was no different this week was it? No, no, he is the uh, he is the connoisseur's choice. Um, even if that doesn't equate to goals and assists, he's a very very important cog in yeah. um, getting the ball from defence to uh, those attacking midfielders. I hope he doesn't have Northern Irish heritage or, you know, Republic of Irish or Scottish or Welsh heritage. Gibraltar. Oh, no. (laughs) Could you even imagine? Uh, Well, the way our season's going, that that would feel quite appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So um, I'm declaring it a uh, McCurdy double. Oh, it has to be, yeah. The podcast loves Harry McCurdy and there's no but with that. Um, I think he's a good footballer and I think he's he's just goes against the grain of the stereotype, which is much needed. It's why Simon Ferry was so loved. Um, mm-hmm. And McCurdy's a bit different to Ferry, but, but the, the spirit is the same. And I think some of the naysayers just look at ability and don't really care about the character. But I, I think he's brilliant. I, I like he, he he's a bit of an anti-establishment player in an industry that takes itself so seriously. And more of it, please. Yes, um well, all being well, he should be starting next week. So, he has uh, to. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, barring injuries this week or anything like that, um, he's going to get the chance to showcase from the start on telly um, that free spirit for the nation. We now have a full week off. Um, and now, we what was it, five players we're missing next week? If I, I don't know what the order, because Grant is reporting to... Jamaica international duty on Saturday. So I don't know if his intention is to play and then fly out, if indeed Ghana wants him um, in that lineup or in that squad. Um, it looks like Kester Hayden's been drafted. We know Gilbert's away with the Republic of Ireland under 21s. We've got Johnny Williams with Wales. Um, I'm still not 100% sure if Jojo Wallacock is in the final Ghana squad. He was in a provisional, um, but we have to assume that he's still in that setup. There's been a lot of disappointment, mild anger and frustration 
for Swindon playing this game, which is out of the club's control. It seems utterly bizarre to me that we have to uh, cater to a television channel, which, you know, I know that the money involved, but it does sound like because we've committed to it, we've got to play it. Um, We can talk about it forever. It doesn't stop the fact that it's got to happen. But we're playing the best team in the division, a team that is local. It's going to be, you know, it's our closest away day for Swindonians. It's not just five players. It's five players that can really make a difference as to whether Swindon win, lose or draw. I know, appreciate Johnny Williams doesn't doesn't start games, but he certainly comes in and makes a contribution. It just feels like... Swindon will go and do something stupid now, like win convincingly, but it just feels unfair. feels like we're being punished for having a squad that has international quality just because they need to fill the void because the Premier League isn't happening. And I, I, I just, it doesn't sit well with me, if I'm honest. And if Swindon end up losing on TV as a result of that, it just, it just will put a, a sour taste in one's mouth. Yeah, I think my head, I agree with you completely, Rich. You know, you don't want to go away to top of the league without five of your better players. Um, but my heart is, and I'm not ashamed of this, I, I am tremendously happy that there is going to be a Swindon game on that weekend. Because um, <laughs> I hate, I hate blank weekends with a passion. So I would rather watch Town. And actually, you know, we're talking about it being a second string side, but you're still probably looking at, uh, okay, okay. Rich didn't say that, everyone. Um, but you're still looking at a back three, Critchlow, Conroy and Odomeo, Hunt and Iandolo as your wing backs, Reed sitting, and then Payne, Gladwin, Mitchell Lawson, McCurdy, Simpson, whatever order you want to put those in there. So actually one of them is probably missing out. Um, so there is still depth. Um, yeah. There's an 11 there. There's an 11. Yeah. The bench is, is looking... Is is looking ropey, um, yeah, yeah. But but you know that it, I think you're right. Um, what what made me laugh earlier was the fact that I thought you were going to say off off the bat, like we still have a decent eleven. No, you want a game on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, again, I'm unashamedly. I just I I want to sit there with my little boy and watch Swindon on the telly, um, yeah. and there's still that. I don't know why childish thing like you get all giddy because your football club's on tv and in reality no one's watching that from around the country are they let's face it yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh and and perhaps we can we can feed the cow who will come off the bench and uh, score from 25 yards in the last minute you know that's uh you know (laughs) that's the dream right no it's the dream we can we can field a squad and we can field a competitive one but again we're playing the best team in the division do we want a competitive squad or do we want the best possible side out there? And- oh, Rich, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a scandal. I mean, from two angles, if Swindon have agreed to the game on the proviso that we'd, we won't call it off if people get called up because, you know, we wanted the opportunity to be on the box. Um, I look forward to the 10-minute Glenn Morfuni rob Angus feature with David Prutton sort of stood in the studio. Um, yeah, but similarly, it sounds like we have approached the league about it and Forest Green aren't willing to budge because, of course, they want to play uh, Swindon without five players and Sky want <laughs> Sky want their fixture. Um, they want to be talking about vegan food and um, solar-powered lawnmowers um, and Clem Morfuni being from Australia. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the pre-match features. I feel like there's a lot of scope there. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. I have a feeling that we arranged my son's first birthday party um, before this game was moved um, to pretty much kick off. So um, uh, I just don't get the rub of the green, do I? Oh, well, never mind. Um, I don't really want to end on this note. Forest Green Rovers is for the presser on on Friday. We've just absolutely wipe the floor of Bristol Rovers at, at their own place. And it's a magnificent feeling because uh, I said in two pods that I had a bad feeling about about that game. What I didn't take into consideration is that Bristol Rovers are awful. Um, and <laughs> they showed that this, this weekend. But loads of great performances from it. Lots of effort. It could have gone either way still in the terms of how Swindon got it 
you know, went about the second half, but that was, you know, McCurdy's breakout performance, mm-hmm. Gladwin's back on the basis of that. Um, loads, loads to feel positive about. And most of all, Ben Garner got it absolutely spot on. He did. And he also acted publicly with a lot of class. Joey, you might want to have a look at how Ben carried himself in this last three or four days. I'm sure he can spare you 15 or 20 minutes after the game if uh, if you want him to break it down for you. <laughs> and on that note, that'll do. Dan, a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.